Welcome, sons and daughters of God, to this worship service on the second Sunday after the Epiphany. The season of Epiphany is the season in which we think about Jesus being revealed and shown to the world as being the Son of God, and we welcome you as we do that together in our worship. We will be celebrating communion as part of our service today, so we invite you to gather uh, some bread and wine or an alternative that you might use for communion when the time comes. Also, we invite you to light a candle to be reminded of Christ's presence as we worship together. Even though we're apart physically, we are together spiritually, and that's important to remember. Today, we hear Jesus invite us to come and see as he begins calling his first disciples. And so, too, he calls us as his disciples to come and see and experience the new life that God offers to all of his people. And boy, do we need it. So now we invite you to take a few moments to prepare yourself for worship.
Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose voice is upon the waters, whose mercy is poured out upon all people, whose goodness cascades over all creation. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin, trusting in the abundant grace of God. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. Point out in anything in us that offends you and guide us on the road to life. We confess together. O Lord, you have examined our hearts and know everything about us. You know when we sit down or stand up. You know our thoughts from afar. You see when we walk or lie down. You know every detail of our conduct. You even know where we are going to say before we say it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for us too great for us to understand. Cleanse us from hidden faults. Keep us from deliberate sins. Don't let them control us. Then we will be free of guilt and innocent of serious wrongdoing. How vast is God's grace. Through the power and promise of Christ Jesus, our sins are washed away, and we are claimed as God's own beloved. Indeed, we are forgiven. In the wake of God's forgiveness, we are called to be the beloved community, living out Christ's justice and the Spirit's reconciling peace. Amen. Amen. Jesus gave it to me. I'm 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. And also with you. pray together. Thanks be to you, Lord Jesus Christ, most merciful Redeemer, for the countless blessings and benefits you give. May we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly 
day by day praising you with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading this morning is from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. At a time when visions are rare and unexpected, the Lord comes to Samuel and calls him to speak with a divine word. Though just a boy, Samuel responds to God obediently, as Eli the priest has taught him to. This marks the beginning of Samuel's prophetic ministry. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone, gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of, the, of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of everyone who hears it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, Here I am. Eli said, What was it that the Lord told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he has told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what he wish seems good to let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. The word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
The Gospel According to John. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? Then he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. In Jesus' name, amen. Our grandson Samuel has continued to grow up right in front of our own eyes. We've watched him not only grow taller, but also more articulate than we sometimes think a five-year-old boy ought to be. He's also become very creative, and uh, he's very proud of what he's done and, and anxious to, to show it off. And so he oftentimes comes to me, and I hear, hear this line a lot, Hey, Pops, come here, I want to show you something. Well, that is Samuel's way of saying, come and see. 
come and see is very much a key part of John's story, the calling of the first disciples. And if you read through that story, you notice a few things that, like the fact that once John the Baptist points out who Jesus is, it sort of begins a, a chain reaction. Andrew and another disciple go and follow Jesus, and, and then Andrew goes to Peter, and then they go with, with Jesus to Philip, and Philip then goes and finds uh, Nathaniel, and, and one invites the other. There's nothing really very, anything very fancy about it at all. It's just one person inviting the other to come and see. And so obviously what John is trying to get across to his audience is that, that that's kind of how passing on the faith works. People coming to faith by the simple invitation of another person, inviting them to come and see. And at least through the greater part of the early church, that's the way it was done. One person at a time, over and over again. But I don't think that happens very much anymore. For one thing, you don't have to go anywhere to see faith being played out in church. Church is all over the place. It's online, in blogs, in social media pages. You don't really have to go anywhere to see the church just turn on your computer or pick up your phone. But I think there's another and more important reason why come and see doesn't work too well anymore. And that's because there's a, a lot of confusion and a lot of distrust of people seeing what's going on in the church. Of people who are invited to come and see, but they're not sure they want to come and take part in what they see. And I think this has been going on for a long, long time. And we've seen it happen more and more in recent years. We've rarely wanted to talk about it very much, at least not in public. But we're going to talk about it today. Because I think these texts speak to that very issue. And... We're going to talk about it because of what we witnessed in our nation's capital last week. And I think it speaks to that as well. And we're also going to deal with it because I was very much moved and impressed with a message that Pastor Mike Ashcraft from Port City Church uh, had in his service this past week. It really sort of brought home a lot of this information and a lot of this this imagery of coming and seeing and what we come to see. And I want to thank him for being so insightful and creative. It's re what's really amazing about that, that whole thing is, is that he was not specifically trying to address what happened in Washington. They had planned to have this series in their church eight weeks ago. But what he had to say really did speak to this moment. And so I would like to share some of the basic ideas with you. 
we begin by thinking about the fact that obviously there's a lot that we disagree about. I mean, it, it covers the spectrum of, of issues and ideas and thoughts and concerns. There's an awful lot of things that we disagree about except one thing. And that one thing is things are not what they should be. I believe we probably all would agree on that. We get a unanimous vote for that very thing. Things are not what they should be. But some of our problems begin as we start trying to parse through and think about how to fix the things to, way, to the way they should be. And we start to line them up based on what we think is right and our concerns and our agendas. And everybody's got their own ideas and their own agenda about how to make things the way they should be. Usually we, we develop these ideas based on what we've been taught and our own life experience and the things that seem to work best for us and, and work to our own advantage. And the problem is, is after we start getting all these things fit together the way we think they ought to be, then we start grouping ourselves together with people who think like we do and feel like we do and believe like we believe. And then we start adding labels like left and right and red and blue so that we can identify who are the ones who agree with us and who don't. That's really a, a very simplified version of this situation in which we find ourselves. But I think we have to start there and agree that that's kind of where we are. Because we then move into thinking that that's exactly what we've begun to do with our relationship with God and living out our faith and how we manage our churches. To go back to Ashcraft's message, we begin to decide how things are supposed to be based more on how the world operates than the way God wants it to operate. And what's even more, our vision of God becomes shaped more by our politics and our preferences than it does the other way around. And then we begin to think about the ways that we want God to behave and the things that we want God to, to endorse. And we see this when we start talking about the Christian left and the Christian right and all the things that fall under those two kinds of categories. And the problem is, is the word Christian becomes an adjective that endorses or modifies what we already want and what we already support and not using Christian as the way to create the way God wants things to be. I think he's on to something there. And if so, it's not, easy, it's not hard to see that we start splintering our faith we start splintering our faith communities. And we base our churches based on, on what we think is right 
and what our concerns are and what our agendas are, and we choose to attend the church that, that backs up what we want and supports our views. We start acting a lot like Nathaniel, being absolutely sure that we know how God operates. We start cutting other people off and even demonizing them. And we start asking, can anything at all good come out of a church that doesn't agree with me, left or right? Friends, this is far deeper and more serious than the differences between denominations and traditions. These kinds of things are happening within those traditions and even within congregations. And we know for a fact that these same kinds of things are happening within our families and among our friends. So is there any wonder why the invitation to come and see isn't working anymore? People don't want to come because they don't like what they see. I've taken a long time to describe what's broken, what's wrong in this situation. The question becomes, where do we go from here? Can anything good come out of all of this mess? It might feel like that right now with everything that seems to be happening around us, that nothing can good, nothing good can come from it. That's called despair. But God calls us out from despair. God calls us to hope and wholeness and God doesn't ever quit trying to work a way in us that will bring us to hope and life. And that way is Jesus who came to show us, to demonstrate with his life and his death and resurrection that there is nothing that will separate us from God's desire to see us live full and abundant lives that would separate us from God's love. There's nothing that can take that away from us. That God is offering us a vision of a new kind of life. A life even more abundant than what we can see already or even a life more abundant than what we're looking for. But just saying that isn't enough. It's never enough. In order for us to see that, that vision and live that kind of life, we have to be honest enough to say that we really haven't wanted that life very much. Rather, we've settled for what we have created for ourselves for what we want to be true, whether it's true or not. And so for us to see and experience what God wants for us, what God offers us each and every day, we have to confess that truth. 
and hear God speak the truth to us. In the Old Testament reading today, we hear God calling Samuel and Samuel's willingness and readiness to be God's agent and do God's bidding. And what's important is what that meant for Samuel. God calls Samuel to speak a hard and harsh truth to his beloved mentor, Eli, about how Eli's family had failed God and that they would fall because of that failure. Samuel was called to speak the truth and call out sin for what it was. What could that mean for us in this time? Last week, we saw the shocking images of faith being used to promote hatred and anger, bigotry and violence. The truth is, that is absolutely And it always will be. And it grieves the heart of God. The truth is also that that God's heart is grieved when faith is used to promote comfort and privilege and apathy and being passive toward the things that God cares about. Both of those things or idolatry. Because it puts our agendas ahead of God's agenda, shaping God into our image instead of being shaped into becoming godly. And we do that all the time. And look where it's got us. But Jesus invites us away from that. He invites us to come and see a different vision of what life can be like with God. And he holds out that vision for all of us, no matter what side of the idolatry we are on, because he wants all of us to know the joy and the freedom of that kind of life. He promised, you will see Greater things than these. Greater things than we can create for ourselves. And so instead of assuming that nothing good can come out of all this political and cultural mess, the question we need to ask is, what might it be like if we were to see his vision and live into it? We will never know as long as we hold tightly to our own way of seeing things, to our own vision of living. A lot of the mess in which we find ourselves comes from the fact that we don't want to change. We want to hang on to to what we have. We've worked hard to get it. We've been taught it over the years. It seems to work for us. It seems to work to our advantage. And we never want to let go of it.
look at the shape. That way of thinking has left us. What good is that? But today, and every day that stretches before us, Jesus invites us to let go, to stop clinging so tightly to what we think we want, to come and experience the greater things that he offers us. A life full of mercy and hope and love. A life where forgiveness is more powerful than holding a grudge. A life where listening is more important than shouting. A life that looks at another human being as a child of God, as a sister, as a brother, instead of an opponent that needs to be beaten and defeated. God wants us to experience that life and then to become those who share that life so that others can come and see the wonderful vision God has for all of us. We preacher types always try to look for a, a good way to end a message. And as I worked through this message all this week, the thing that kept coming back to me was that, was that great prayer that was given to us by St. Francis. Because it seemed to lift up this idea of coming and seeing a life that God has in store for us. And so I ask that you pray that with me now. Not just now, but in the days ahead. That you might come and see the vision that God has for all of us. Let's pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Will you come and fall?
Should your life be trapped or scared? Will you let me answer prayer in you and you in me? Will you let the blinded see if I As this week we observe the week of prayer for Christian unity, commemorate the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and inaugurate the new President of the United States, let us offer our laments and petitions to God, responding to each with the words, In mercy, receive our prayer. O God, we lament the times when our churches have rejected collaboration with your worldwide family of grace, and we pray for your blessing on the Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholics, Anglicans, Protestants, Evangelicals, and Independents, that all your people will follow your call to discipleship and grow deeper into the unity in Christ. O God, shepherd of your people, hear our cries. In mercy, receive our prayers. We learn the occasions when our government has neglected the needs, we, we lament the occasions when our government has neglected the needs of the people of America and the calls for international cooperation. And we pray for President-elect Biden, for Vice President-elect Harris, and for all our elected members of Congress, that they fulfill their obligations to uphold and extend the common good. 
O God, shield of the commonwealth, hear our cries. In mercy, receive our prayers. We lament the uncontrolled rage and the senseless violence that recently defaced our nation, and we pray for that peace again will reign in our streets, that our capital cities will be safe and that all citizens come to accept the new administration, and that a spirit of reconciliation and cooperation mark the next stage of our national life. O God, peacemaker in our land, hear our cries. In mercy, receive our prayers. We lament the decades of ethnic injustice and racial injustice that brought such suffering to many residents of our country. And we pray that you will bless our, the indigenous peoples, descendants of Africans, and all immigrants in this land. We give thanks for the life and work of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and ask that you form us into a nation from which all are honored in equal measure. O God, liberator of the oppressed, hear our cries. In mercy, receive our prayers. We lament the unspeakable sadness that has been unleashed by the coronavirus here and around the world, and we pray that you bring health to the sick, comfort to the dying, resilience to health workers, prompt vaccinations to everyone, and a lasting end of this scourge. Remember especially those we name here before you. Susan Bayman, Jesse Brock, Larry Crawford, Linda Dufus, Sam Green, Alberta Holden, Merrill Holden, Mary Lou Schofield, Roger Strong, Bob Stroud, Matt Serac, Bill Sutton, Ron Wagner, and those in our hearts or on our lips. O oh God, physician and nurse, hear our cries. In mercy, receive our prayers. We lament also our private sorrows and our hidden fears, and we pray that as with the boy Samuel, you speak to us in the night of our need. O oh God, lover of our souls, hear our cries. In mercy, receive our prayers. Into your hands, O oh loving God, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Peace be with you. May the peace of Christ be with you. Dear friends, worship during this season of Epiphany feels very different for all of us. Usually we would be gathering together in this room in the in the warmth of this sanctuary together for our for our worship, but but even yet, even though we are not here, Christ is present with us as we share in this meal. So I invite you to prepare your bread and cup for this gift of light and life. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. By the leading of a star, he was shown forth to all nations. In the waters of the Jordan, you proclaimed him your beloved son. And in the miracle of water turned to wine, he revealed your glory. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. The night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for them to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And our Lord Christ comes to us, inviting us to come and see his goodness through this bread and cup. He unites us together as brothers and sisters, and so we are bold when we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, here is bread. Here is the cup. Here is Jesus. Come and be fed. I invite you to share the bread and cup with all who are communing in your gathering or by yourself if you are alone. Please eat and drink with these words. This is the body of Christ given for you.
This is the blood of Christ shed for you. If you do not wish to commune, please offer and receive this blessing. God loves you very much, and you are God's daughter, God's son. Let us pray. Christ Jesus, at this table we have feasted on your very life and are strengthened for our journey. Send us forth from this banquet, nourished in body and in spirit, to proclaim your good news and serve others in your name. Amen. Again, we welcome you to this time of worship, and we hope that as we have gathered together around word and meal, that you have felt God's presence in your home and in your life. And we pray that that will provide you with nourishment as we work through these days ahead. I want to let you know that we will be holding a graveside service in our uh, memorial garden for Marlene, Maine on uh, the 25th of January at 3 p.m. And if in, in case of rain, the date will be changed to uh, February the 1st. But you're invited to attend that service for Marlene on the 25th. Also, there is a need in Mother Hubbard's cupboard for various items that they uh, always uh, seem to run short of. And there's a listing that has been published in our uh, weekly email. We invite you to check that out and see if you can provide some of those needs. And our LCORM ministry is starting a new ministry called the Bags of Blessing. And that's for folks who happen to live out on our streets and have various needs in our community. And there are things that are listed in also in that email uh, for the contents that you can donate for those bags to be made up. Some of the bags are already prepared and they're at the church. And if you would like to come by and pick one up to carry in your car, and if you come upon somebody who has a need, then you will have uh, a way to offer them a blessing uh, throughout the days ahead. Now hear this assurance of grace. God has always loved you. God loves you now. And God will love you forever. This is the good news that gives us new life. The good news to which Christ invites us to come and see and experience every day. And so we go about our days trusting that God will continue to bless us and keep us. That God's face will shine on us with grace and mercy that God will look upon us with favor and give us peace. Amen. Go in peace. Be the light of Christ. Thanks be to God. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you
In you alone. 